This is my birthday. I guess you, you figured that out. Um, I'm kind of at the age that you don't celebrate those quite like you used to. But um, this is not just my birthday. I have a person who shares this birthday that's very special, and that's Sophia Twible. She shares this birthday as well. So get a chance. Uh, you see that little gal running around. Uh, wish her a happy birthday, too. Uh, it'll always be easy for me to remember her birthday. So, um, you know, it's been a privilege for me to have been invited to come and, and minister among you while Andrew has been on medical leave. Um, the original invitation was that I would uh, serve through the end of the year, but I said that, uh, well, I want to I put a trial thing out here for you. And so this is the last Sunday of the um, series that I was going to preach, and I'll be preaching that a little bit. But uh, it does look as though I'm going to continue on and carry you through, uh, the, through Advent. So I, I wanted to give you an invitation this morning to join me uh, during the season of Advent on a, a little journey of this time of the year. I know that sometimes we, uh, in our more non-liturgical tradition, don't uh, pay a lot of attention to the church year, but I think there is much to be gained by taking advantage of some of the tradition that comes with that. And Advent is an easy one to do. It's four weeks long. The first Sunday of Advent will be December the 1st. So, by the way, did you know that that is New Year's Day in the church year? So New Year's Day is December the 1st, okay? So we're going to celebrate New Year's Day on December the 1st, um, and I want to invite you to do it with um, a resource that you could, if you would choose, to, to use for your own personal benefit to make that season of Advent more meaningful to you. Um, I've been a little bothered. Have you noticed that now Christmas starts right after Halloween? Um, that just really kind of irritates me a little bit. But uh, I want to invite you to maybe let, let the real meaning of Christmas become a little part of your, your preparation for, for that great time of the year. Um, our publishing house, it's now called The Foundry, has made available to us a resource. Each year they do this. It's an Advent resource that is also a devotional guide uh, that could be used either as individuals or with your families. It is called Born the King this year. And it provides a daily devotional time for you throughout the whole season of Advent, beginning the first Sunday of Advent. And uh, we are going to make these available to you. I think we're going to have around 50 copies that you can get at a discounted price, but you can always order these yourself. So if we run out, it doesn't mean you can't do this. You can order these on Amazon. Uh, they are available in a Kindle version as well, if you happen to use it that way. But I just want to invite you to do that. I will be preaching from the passages that come as a part of the lectionary that is called there that goes each Sunday. It's a special challenge for me. Uh, you may or may not find that what I preach fits exactly what it's used there, but I am going to still use that discipline. I truly believe that we are a kingdom people. And the reason we are a kingdom people is because of who our king is. Okay? And so I want to challenge us to just celebrate the fact that we're a part of something very, very special during the Advent season. And make those, those, those Sundays and that preparation for Christmas perhaps more meaningful to us in the real meaning of Christmas. Okay, enough for an advertisement there. Um, um, I mentioned earlier that I uh, had planned and uh, 
things don't always go as you expect, you know, with the schedule and so forth, but today is the last of five sermons that I have called Holiness Through Brokenness. And um, I truly believe that God calls his people to be a holy people. Let's, let's never, ever apologize for what God has given us, but not only the command to do, but I think the grace to fulfill. We are called to be holy people, not because we can do it, but because his grace is sufficient through his spirit abiding within us to transform us so that we can become more and more like Jesus. Holiness is nothing less than to be like Christ. And it is expressed in love for God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love of our neighbors as ourselves. That's the two great commands. That's, that's what it means. But, but I think we all recognize that we are challenged so much with our own brokenness. Our brokenness that expresses itself in many forms. Uh, in the series that I preached, I've pointed out some of them to you. For instance, we have a problem of the heart, the will. Uh, we have a problem with what we call original sin. That's, that's a part of our problem. And God gives us the grace, not through what we can do to change ourselves, but he will fill us and transform us and give us his spirit that will make us change from within. But we also have a problem with our ability to perform. We can't just do things right ourselves. Even when we have the right intentions, we still sometimes mess up. But God helps us in our broken behavior through forgiveness and grace and our willingness to repent. A holy people are a people who know what it means to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. There is another aspect of holiness that we talked about last week, and that is the challenges that come with our broken humanity. The fact that we've got so much going on within us that are just, that, that come as a result of the fall, that uh, these bodies are so filled with imperfections and problems and difficulties and challenges. But God uses us in our brokenness to glorify himself. So, so, so let me just kind of sum up a little bit. What do we do with this brokenness that we have within ourselves? I'll tell you what we do. We take it all, regardless of what it is, and we say, Lord, here I am. Take me. I want you to use me. I want you to, to fill me. Okay? And sometimes he will change us and make things right. Sometimes he says, in your weakness, in your vulnerability, I work And so we can take our brokenness, and even though we remain broken in some ways, we can see that God works through us, okay? I I truly believe that God uses us as we are for his glory, okay? But we've still got a problem, and that is this world in which we live, this broken, messed-up world that has an impact upon who we are and how we live, Now, I think we know that the brokenness of our world is just plain in every aspect of our existence. When we look outside of ourselves, that brokenness of the world around us continues to have an impact upon us. For instance, I I happen to know that uh, at any time, this broken world can bring a natural disaster that will just plain devastate us. You know, uh, an earthquake, a flood, a tornado... 
a house fire. All these kinds of natural desires, that natural disasters can just plain mess up our lives major. And it doesn't feel like very easy. It's not very easy to maintain a holy experience when the world is breaking around us. You know, you know the, the, the brokenness of the world expresses itself in other ways. You know, accidents happen all the time. I mentioned like a house fire, but we can just do really no fault of ourselves still have accidents that, uh, that often come as a result of our own stupidity, uh, but yet at the same time, they can have devastating effects upon us. I, I happen to be a bicycle rider. I don't so you know I ride my bicycle. I, 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 uh, I, I, I'm very good though at having accidents. Okay, and um, and I've kind of had a, a series of them. I'm, I'm probably dangerous. I probably should stay off the thing. But a few years back, I was riding my bicycle down uh, the Pumpkin Vine Trail near Shipshawana, Indiana. Okay, came to a crossroads. Thought to myself, I can't hear anything. Don't think anything's coming. I'm just going to blow through this thing. I'm going to run late. Well, just about the time I got to the place, right in front of me, an Amish buggy. I put on my brakes. I could tell I was not going to stop. I decided to lay my bike down. I'd never done it before, but I was pretty good at that. <laughs> Slid on my helmet behind the horse in front of the buggy, and thump, thump, Phil Rogers got run over by the Amish buggy. I, I suspect I'm the only person you know that's ever been run over by an Amish buggy. Well, I, uh, I honestly uh, well, I ended up spending a week in the hospital with five broken ribs, uh, a collapsed lung, and uh, it was not a pleasant thing. But all I can think about is, you know, that's, that's one of those accidents that really had an impact upon my feeling of being very holy at the time. Sometimes... Our broken world affects us because of the sinfulness around us. Um, do you know that a lot of times your sin messes up my life? It'd be a lot easier to maintain a holiness if you just behave yourself, okay? And that happens to be true of all of us. Uh, you know, we are all affected by other people's sinful choices. We can sometimes have that happen to us. Well, think about the, the accidents that happen in which a person chooses to drink and drive. And that, so, so this broken world involves that. Sometimes we have to understand the broken world has an impact upon us and our ability to be holy because of direct persecution. Things are actually being done intentionally to hurt us. Well, the question becomes, how am I in my desire, who's taken this broken self, given it over to the Lord, said, Lord, you take me and work in me. Do whatever you need to do. Use me for your glory. How then in my brokenness am I to deal with this broken world around me? I need help, don't you? I believe God wants to help us. Well, I'll tell you how, I use, how often we find ourselves doing it. Um, sometimes when the brokenness around us, if the world around us doesn't go the way we think, we start screaming in protest. We live in a country right now that when things are not the way think, people think they are, they decide it's got to protest, we've got to shake our fists, we've got to be angry, we've got to be mad. Sometimes we scream in protest. Sometimes we just complain with all kinds of bitterness. People ask you how you're doing. Oh, life is awful. People are messing me up, all that kind of stuff. Sometimes we, uh, we just stew in anger. Okay, I'm just mad at the world. 
because of what it's doing. Sometimes what we want to do, maybe this is the, the effect of some of us because we want to withdraw from the world, isolate ourselves so the world can't hurt us anymore. I think Jesus understood what we deal with. In fact, there's one place in the Bible where we really get an insight into what Jesus really prays about. And you know when he prayed, he prayed for us. We often call the Lord's Prayer that one that we say all the time, you know, our Father who art in heaven. But that's not the Lord's Prayer. That's the disciples' prayer. That's the prayer we are as disciples to pray. There is, however, a Lord's Prayer. And it's found in John chapter... It just went there. I'm back. <laughs> Good news. <laughs> John chapter 17. Now, this prayer is, is an amazing prayer. And the danger that I have this morning is the, the, the inclination that I want to preach the whole thing. Okay, you don't want me to do that. I'm already tending to be a little long anyway. So I, I promise you I'm not going to do that. But I want to focus in on some aspects of Jesus' prayer in which he begins to pray for his disciples, and then he prays for those of us who follow after them. That's us. And what is it that Jesus prays? Because, you see, this prayer was prayed the night before Jesus was going to be crucified. Jesus knew what was going to be happening, that he was going to be leaving his disciples He knew that after he left, the Holy Spirit was going to come and fill and empower them, but he knew that they needed God's grace to help them deal with the broken world in which they're living in. So I'd like to read with you some of Jesus' prayer. Now, let's let's just accept this fact, okay? When Jesus prays, the Heavenly Father listens, do you agree with me with that? So, so if Jesus is praying something here, it's, it's dependable. We can count on this prayer, okay? If, I, if it's my idea to pray, you can probably say, well, maybe, maybe not. But if it's Jesus' prayer, this one counts, okay? So this is Jesus knowing that the very next day, He's going to be hanging upon the cross, and these disciples are going to be devastated by what's happening. The world around them is just plain disintegrating. Everything that they thought it was going to be is now taking away from them. And this is what Jesus prays. Now, I'm going to begin reading in John chapter 17, and I'm going to begin in verse 11. He says this, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. We know what he's talking about there. He's talking about Judas. He goes on to say this, I am coming to you now, 
But I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Isn't it amazing? Jesus wants them to hear this prayer so they have the joy of knowing that this has been prayed in their behalf. I have given them your word and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they may be truly sanctified. Now, Again, there's a lot more here than I wish I, than, than I, than I can really preach, okay? But there's a couple of things I want to point out here. Number one is this. Jesus knows that these disciples cannot do it by themselves. They are not strong enough to deal with the brokenness around them. They are going to need help. And so do you and so do I, okay? Jesus also knows that the kind of change that is going to be needed to happen, this work is going to happen, has, is going to come because God works a miracle of grace within them. Sanctify them. Purify them. Empower them. What he has spent the whole three or four chapters before this in John is explaining to them the absolute essential necessity that the Holy Spirit was going to come, the paraclete is going to come, and that paraclete is going to change everything so that even though he is gone, they're in better condition because now they have the Spirit. Okay? The one thing that you and I have to count on in order to deal with the brokenness of this world is the presence of God's Spirit abiding within us. He is our power and our grace. Okay? And I believe we have to also understand that if God is for us, nothing can overcome us. When Jesus says protect, we know that that protection is a guarantee. We will have no excuse. We can't say, well, the devil made me do it. We cannot say, well, the world just is against me. We have God on our side, and with God on our side, we cannot lose. Okay? So, here are the things that I can be sure of. When I am oppressed by the things of this world... I have a heavenly father that's there to defend me. When I'm feeling distressed and worried and concerned, I have, a, I have a holy father that's there right beside me, comforting me and assuring me that he is never going to leave me nor forsake me. When I feel weak and helpless and powerlessness against the things that are coming against me, I have a heavenly Father who empowers me and helps me to be and to do what I cannot do on my own. When I feel so beaten down and defeated and helpless, I have a heavenly Father 
but his promise to deliver me through it. Now listen, there's, there's something about this I think we have to remember. Jesus is praying this for his disciples, the 11. And he is praying for God's protection upon them. But when you read their stories after he is gone, we know that that is not a type of protection that delivers them from all hardship and difficulties. We know, based upon the traditions of the church, that these men, almost all of them, suffered greatly by this broken world that persecuted them. Most of them were martyred for the cause. The protection that God promises us is not the protection that delivers us from bad things happening to us. It is the protection that gives us the resources that no matter what does happen to us, he is going to see us through it. I happen to believe it's true that God works in all things for the good of those that love him. Not all things are good, but God has a miraculous way of taking even the worst of things and doing amazing things for his glory. But if you'll notice that Jesus does not ask his disciples to stay on defense. He expects them to go on offense. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but what I do is I send them into the world. We are not given God's protections to just gather ourselves in an enclave and sit here in our nice, wonderful sanctuary where we are safe and we can praise God and glorify his name to just be safe here, It's wonderful as it is. No, we are all called to go out into that broken world because as Jesus was sent, so are we sent. We are called to continue and to be the presence of Christ in this world as he was in this world. Okay? So how do we do that? Well, I think we do it by just being there. Just like Jesus was, God sent his son and he became flesh and dwelt among us. Okay, we've got to be very real people going out there and letting people know us and just be present. Okay, I believe that we continue by being sent because we are willing to go and speak for the glory of Christ. We witness, we testify. We're not afraid to be identified as followers of Jesus Christ. When we go, we go to continue to do the types of things that Jesus did, which was to love and reach out to the broken and the needy and the sinful. When we go, what we are really to go is to go and continue to be Jesus, to be the example. So, When Jesus prays for his disciples, talking about them being broken people that need, that that express holiness in their brokenness, he doesn't say, okay, now you're a broken person and you're holy now, and so you just kind of stay here. No, he says, take this broken self and go out there and glorify me. Let people see Jesus in you. That's, that's holiness. Okay? Holiness is never just something for me to have for me. It's 
to be used in a world. And I'll tell you what, this world needs to see Jesus. You know, I'll tell you what the world needs. I think it needs holy, broken people who are people who have integrity with who they are. They're not out there trying to pretend to be something that they're not, but they're honest and open with their own brokenness so that people see Christians as real people. They are people who are willing to be transparent, to be known for who we are, even in our brokenness. They are people who express courage to be who God calls them to be, even though it's being done in a world in which it can be dangerous to be like Jesus. And I think perhaps most importantly, as broken people, and that's you and me, the one thing that people need to see is that in our brokenness, we can love. We love because we're broken. So how does that happen? Well, let's read on in this prayer. Okay? Because now Jesus begins to not just pray for his disciples. He begins to pray for all of those who come after us. That's us. Okay? Let's listen to these words. My prayer for them. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for all those who will come believe in me through their message. See, what we are are the people who have believed because somebody else gave the message and it goes down and we got... Think about, all the, think about the, all the people that had to be faithful before us in order for us to be here. Okay? We believe because someone else has given us the message. I pray, my prayer for them is, verse 21 that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Now, did you see it? Of all the things that Jesus could be praying that would happen in the lives of his disciples, he only prayed for one thing. He only asked that one thing would be true of them. Did you see what it was? that they would be one. That they would be run in the same way that Jesus and the Father are one. That's pretty tight. Okay? I'm not sure I understand why Jesus is bothering even to pray for the Father because they're one. Okay? But, but, but I think Jesus here is trying to communicate to us something really important, and that is of all the things that should exemplify what it means to be a Christian is that we understand what it means to be at one with each other. 
The unity of God's people is not optional. It's not just a nice thing when God's people can be unified. It's essential. It's necessary. It, it, is, it is a commandment that God wants us as God's people to be at one, unified, just like Jesus has already exemplified it with, the, with his Father, with the way Jesus has already exemplified it in his relationship with his disciples. And just as we are called... Now, why does he think that, I wonder? Could it possibly be that one of the most dangerous things that has happened in the, uh, in the, um, in the North American Western church has then this focus upon individual faith? Could, could it be that maybe one of the reasons why we are having such a hard time having an impact upon our world is that we're out there really buying into this thing is, I really don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I can just go out there and sit on the, the, the lake and I can have a good, I can just Jesus and me. It's just Jesus and me. I just uh, Listen, read God's word. You'll find out that this whole business of being a part of the body of Christ is not just something that Christians can do because, yeah, we're better off together than we are alone. The real truth is we can't make it alone. I think if you were to bring Jesus in here and we'd interview him, we'd say, is it possible for a person to be a follower of Jesus and not be a part of the body of Christ? He'd say, no, that, that's not a part of the plan. Now, you see, when you and I go out there, we probably go out there by ourselves, don't we? But we go out there because we're a part of a body. And we're not just representing ourselves, we're representing Jesus. Is that possibly the reason why, when it comes to being protected from the evil one, that the one thing that Jesus keeps emphasizing is, Lord, make them one. There is nothing that destroys the witness of the church and of Christians in the body of Christ. And Christians allow the types of things that divide us, divide us. Why in the world would, it, would people want to be a part of a body that can't get along? Okay, and, and if you look at this, our greatest resource to deal with the broken world around us is the love, the unity that we have as the body of Christ. We're in this together. That's the only thing Jesus asked for to help them to go out into the world is, Lord, Make them one. I think, you know, that's pretty tough. Because, you know, I get around people in the church, I find out there are some of them are pretty disagreeable. <laughs> I've, I've sometimes felt like, you know, I, felt, I have to admit, I felt like, you know, it'd really be nice to have church if there weren't any people in it. <laughs> because I'm always dealing with some personalities that, to tell you the honest truth, I don't like them very well. We don't agree on things and so forth. 
okay? I don't believe God ever calls us to agree on everything. What he does call us is to love them and to defend them to the world out there. Because I read the story in Acts, didn't you? What was the one thing that people looked upon those early Christians and were amazed at? Look at how they love each other. And I just tell you, I've been a pastor 40 years. I know how tough that is. It's really tough when division and dissension begins to become a part of the body of Christ. The enemy has a heyday. Could it be that maybe we need to stop worrying about being right and be right? Which is to love each other more than anything else. Well, you see, the oneness that we need is the oneness that God modeled for us in himself. The reason we believe in the Trinity is we understand that God himself is relational, and as a relational person, he is also one, okay? Relationships have to do with being at one with one another. That's how God respects it. I don't understand all this thing about the Trinity. Don't let me explain it to you, okay? I can't explain it from a rational standpoint. I do know this. It's important to know that the God we serve has revealed himself as a relational being, and that's how we live out our relationship with him, is in relationship not only with him but with each other. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself. You can't do one without the other. It all goes together. It is a oneness that I believe becomes available to us when we truly line up our hearts with God himself. As he is one, we are one. Our oneness glorifies him. I am convinced that the number one job you and I have as broken people going out there into this world in which God calls us to be holy is that our job is to make Jesus look good. That his reputation is not hurt by our behavior. And that includes how we love each other in the body of Christ. Our oneness testifies. It communicates what we're all about. Boy, it, wouldn't it be amazing if the church of Jesus Christ in this culture in which we live in that is so filled with division and polarization and angry words and all the types of things that, that people didn't see the church as a participant in that but instead as an alternative to that? I, for one, don't want to be aligned with any political position. I want to be aligned with Jesus. And I want to see people see Jesus through how we as God's people go out there and live out our faith with integrity and reality. Okay, let me bring this thing to a close. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. 
the glory you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you, know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What I think I see here Jesus saying is, Jesus wants us to make it. He wants us to make it all the way to glory. In fact, with Jesus and in this prayer, we have the security that will enable us to be faithful all the way to the end. And through that, I can know Jesus more and more. I can be filled with his love. And I can love others with Christ-likeness. I'm a broken person. In many ways, I kind of let you know I'm a mess. But I give this mess to Jesus and say, Lord, here I am. You use me. You do in me what you need to do. But more than anything else, Jesus, let people see Jesus in me. Let me live my life in such a way that I glorify you not by me being this perfect person, but my being truly Christ-like in the spirit and the attitude with which I go. I don't know what Don came up with. Are you going to do what I said? <laughs> huh? Make us one. Make us one. Stand with me, if you please. The one thing I want you to hear this kind of oneness, this kind of holiness, this kind of change does not happen because you and I decide it. It happens because God's grace works miracles of transformation in our hearts so we become like Jesus. And we love each other in the name of Jesus because of who he is. Praise his holy name.